Hi, this is Bill Woods, and I was uh, wanting to remind you that Thanksgiving is just two weeks from today. And I know that everybody's excited because of the big feast and because of the football and all that that people do on Thanksgiving. But I would invite you to take it a little more serious than that. I would invite you to truly have a spirit of Thanksgiving for all that God has done for us and, and with us. I know that there are a lot of shortages going on today, and I know they say it might be kind of hard to get a turkey if you don't buy it early. But, you know, those things are really minor to what we ought to be doing at Thanksgiving time. Now, I know, and next week I'll be talking about the first Thanksgiving, the pilgrims and the Indians and all that. But today, I want to talk about a passage out of the scriptures in Luke, and I've entitled this, Where Are the Nine? We read in Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him, and they raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Jesus, or he said, Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Jesus was traveling the border between Galilee and Samaria. Galilee was inhabited by the Jewish people. Samaritans, despised by the Jews, lived in Samaria. Now, the Samaritans, you need to understand, were half-breeds, actually. They, they were half-Jewish and, and half-Assyrians. Uh, the reason for this is during the captivity, there was some intermarriage, and these people that were uh, products of the intermarriage were, were dubbed Samaritans. And the Jews didn't like anybody that wasn't pure Jew. Now, we don't know exactly where Jesus and the disciples were, but they were someplace near the border. And uh, that explains why a Samaritan was in the group of lepers that they met. Leprosy is a terrible disease. A person's skin begins to rot and fall off. Many lepers lose their fingers, their toes, it infects their nose, and it's very painful and, and it stinks. A person with leprosy is covered with ugly, pussy sores. Leprosy destroys the nerve endings. You can't feel pain. That makes it very, very dangerous because if you cut yourself or burn yourself, you don't know. Father Damien was um, also known as the Blessed Damien of Molokai. And he was born January 3rd, 1840, and lived until April 15th, 1889. He was a Roman Catholic missionary priest from Belgium who is most noted for caring and ministering to people with leprosy. He spent much of his life working with lepers in Hawaii who were forced by government-sanctioned medical uh, segregation to live on the island of Molokai. 
He, he knew he had leprosy when he spilled boiling water on his leg and couldn't feel it. A common disease in, leprosy was a common disease in Jesus' time. Parts of the world today still have leprosy. People in India, China, Japan, parts of Africa, the West Indies, and some of South America, it's not uncommon to find somebody with leprosy. Leprosy is very contagious. It's easy to catch leprosy. Just touching someone with leprosy or touching something he's touched could give the disease. I know with the pandemic we've been going through and COVID-19, we're pretty careful and everything. But if you were around somebody with leprosy, you'd have to be more than just careful. Lepers had to live outside the community. God had instructed Israel in Leviticus 13.46, He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. I was thinking, you know, if Marty had leprosy, she couldn't be living here with me in Sun Valley. She'd have to leave our home, even leave the community of Sun Valley, Arizona. She couldn't hug me or our children or our grandchildren or hold our great-grandchildren because they might get the disease. How sad that would be because of the way that Marty loves her family. But you know, that's, that's what happened to these people that had leprosy. <clears throat> leprosy wasn't just bad for a person's body. It was terrible for their social life. No friends, no family. A leper had to live alone. They couldn't celebrate holidays like we plan to celebrate Thanksgiving. Lepers got so lonely that they'd find other lepers to live with. That's why these ten men were together. They all had leprosy and weren't allowed to be part of their family or community. Today there are still leper colonies. I was reading one time that Beth Moore, who uh, speaks a lot to women's groups, she wanted to visit a leper colony but couldn't make herself go in because of the horrible sights and the smell of the rotting flesh. Lepers had to stay away from well people and warn them not to come near. That's why these ten lepers were standing at a distance outside the city, crying out to Jesus for mercy. They called Jesus Master. They knew he could heal them. They couldn't approach Jesus because of the crowd that was surrounding him, but they stood afar off and hollered at him. God told Israel how to deal with leprosy. He said anyone thought to have leprosy had to be examined by a priest. I've always been glad that that didn't uh, apply to New Testament days and preachers had to examine things like this. Leviticus 13, 2 and 3 says, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priests. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. 
Now, if the diagnosis of the priest was positive, Leviticus 13.45 says, As for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn, and the hair of his head shall be uncovered, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean! Unclean! He'd remain unclean as long as he had the disease. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Leviticus 13, 45, 46 verifies this. It says, Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean, he shall be unclean. All the days of he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. The leper was considered utterly unclean, physically and spiritually. Jews thought leprosy was a punishment from God for a particular sin, far worse than any other disease, a mark of God's anger. Leprosy was a death sentence. A person with leprosy was doomed. There are only three people were healed of leprosy in the Old Testament, one was Moses when he was at the burning bush and God instructed him to put his hand in his robe and he pulled it out. It was full of leprosy and then God healed him. Exodus 4, 6. Miriam had leprosy because she had uh, rebelled some against Moses' leadership. And then we know the story of Naaman uh, who had leprosy, who went to Elisha and had to be duck himself in the, the river seven times. But they were cured by God. Because people believed God inflicted leprosy on people for sins they committed, people with leprosy were despised and not allowed to live in any community. They were removed from society so they wouldn't defile or infect anyone. The Jewish Talmud instructed lepers to stay about 300 feet from other people. That would be a football field of length. They'd yell, unclean, unclean, to warn people to stay away. Sometimes relatives left food for them to find or a towel hanging on a post to wipe their gooey, pussy sores on. You know, that's where Isaiah got the illustration he used in Isaiah 64, 6, where it says, but we are all like an unclean thing and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. All, we all fade as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. He's talking about the fact that our sins are like these filthy rags that are full of the leper's pus and germs and nasty. Matthew tells of another leper in Matthew chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, And a leper came to him and bowed down before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one, but go show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now notice Jesus touched him. That was forbidden by law to touch a leper. But Jesus wasn't worried about the disease. He touched him. He was willing to be involved that close with him. You know, sin is like leprosy, only with worse outcome. 
sin defiles us in the sight of God, but through Christ we can be healed by the plague of sin that separates us from God. God hates sin. It's so repulsive to him that he sent Jesus to die on a cross in our place to destroy the, the effects of sin if we accept Christ as our Savior. Sin destroys our fellowship with God. God's holy and detests all sin. Sin will keep us out of his holy heaven. But you can be saved from sin by grace through Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, but is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can be accepted into God's kingdom and praise him for the grace he gives to you. Another lesson, and we learn from the leper in Matthew's gospel, is that like that leper, we can confidently approach Jesus and all our sins and defilements can be taken away. When we plead for cleansing and forgiveness, Jesus will not turn us away. Psalms 103.12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. You know, Jesus came to save us from sin, and sin is a whole lot worse than leprosy. Leprosy just kills the body. Sin kills our soul and condemns us to hell for all eternity. We need to say thanks to Jesus for giving us a remedy to be healed of our sinful condition. You know, Jesus healed ten lepers. Only one returned to thank Jesus. He got far, far more than just healing of his body. I think he experienced the salvation of his soul as well. Jesus told these ten men to go show themselves to the priest. As they turned to go, all ten lepers realized their leprosy was gone. They had been healed. Their skin had changed from being full of sores and disease to being clean and healthy. Only one leper bothered to show his gratitude. Luke chapter 17, 15 through 19 again. When one of them saw that he was healed, he came back. He praised God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. The man was a Samaritan. When Jesus saw the Samaritan, he immediately wondered about the other nine. Uh, who, those had been healed also. Jesus asked, weren't there, all, weren't there ten that were healed? Where are the other nine? Didn't anyone else return and give praise to God except this outsider? Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. You know, it's hard to believe just one of the ten came back to thank him. The other nine knew they were healed, but they didn't take the time to say thank you, Jesus. Probably when they saw they were healed, they ran home to tell their families and, and their friends. After all, they'd been far away from them for a long time now. Imagine their excitement, how happy their families were to see them again. These nine were so happy to be healed, they didn't return to Jesus to publicly give thanks. They didn't praise God with a loud voice and throw themselves at his feet like the leper who did return to thank Jesus. When Jesus died in our place, his blood healed us from a disease, like I said, so much more hideous than leprosy, a disease that only God can cure, a disease that will destroy our soul for eternity. 
Sin spoils everything. Sin spoils us too. Like a terrible disease, sin ruins us, ruins our fellowship with God. Sin is a great spiritual disease that requires healing. We seem to recognize physical needs better than spiritual needs. When we're hungry, we eat. When we're sick, we go to the doctor. When we're tired, we sleep. When they put out an edict that uh, the COVID-19 is here, everybody at first began to, to yield and do all the things they were told to do. Wash your hands, wear a mask, stay home, all these things. But each of us are plagued with things so much worse than sin or COVID. Each of us are plagued with sins like hate, anger, greed, lying, selfishness, lust. Just like leprosy destroys the body, sin destroys our soul and needs healing. Jesus wants to heal our sin problem. He wants us to call to him for help. Just like those 10 lepers called to him for help. And like the one leper who returned, we should worship, praise, and thank God at all times. We can do this when we're alone, but God also wants us to give thanks to him publicly and with other believers so that they know how great is God. The ten lepers received a wonderful gift. The problem was nine of them didn't receive it with true thankfulness. They were happy and relieved that they were healed, but they didn't choose to thank the gift giver. When Jesus asked, where are the other nine? He was asking, why aren't they going to thank God? We, we might, he might ask you the same question. Why aren't you giving me thanks? Jesus gave you the free gift of salvation. You didn't earn it. Even though sin deserves punishment, Jesus took that punishment for you when he died on the cross. And I know that you have the power of choice. You can choose to either accept what Jesus has done, confess your sins to him, and begin to live for him, or you can reject it. But what kind of a fool would reject something that's so wonderful, a cure, that would keep them out of hell? Well, one day a man visited a church. He arrived early parked his car and got out, and another car pulled up, and the driver said, I always park there. You took my place. The visitor went inside for Sunday school, found an empty seat, and sat down. A lady from the church approached him and said, that's my seat. You took my place. The visitor was somewhat distressed by this rude welcome, but he said nothing. After Sunday school, the visitor went to the sanctuary and sat down, and another member walked up. That's where I always sit. You took my place. The visitor was even more troubled by this treatment, but said nothing. Later, as the congregation was praying for Christ to dwell among them, the visitor stood and, prepared, and people began to notice things about him that they hadn't previously seen. Horrible scars were visible on his hands and on his sandaled feet. Someone from the congregation noticed him and called out, what happened to you? The visitor humbly replied, I took your place. Let's remember that Christ Jesus took our place on Calvary. Why not pause and give him thanks for the love and mercy that he has shown to you and tell someone else about his love for them too. You know, that's the biggest gift you'll ever receive, salvation forgiveness of sins, become a joint heir with Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God. 
The problem is many people accept God's free gift of forgiveness and never show thankfulness to Jesus. God's message is clear. We should have hearts filled to overflowing with thanksgiving to God. And we should tell God and others how thankful we are. God's done so much for you. He deserves your thanks. Psalms 107, 1 and 2 says, Give thanks to the Lord because he is good. His faithfulness, his faithful love continues forever. That's what we who have been freed from sin by the Lord should say. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you need to accept this wonderful gift that he gives to you so you too can understand what it means to be thankful for the forgiveness of sin. Jesus was publicly crucified to heal us, you of the disease of your sin. You know, we should take time to publicly thank him for his amazing gift. We should live a life of thankfulness, just like the leper who returned to give thanks to Jesus Christ. We should practice Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Grow strong in what you believe, just as you were taught. Be more thankful than ever before. Thanksgiving Day is fast approaching. Plan to do more than just eat a big meal and watch football on TV and take a nap because you overstuffed yourself at the banquet table. Be thankful to God for his abundant mercy and for the salvation he's provided for you. Let's pray. Dear Father, we do want to say thank you to you for all your blessings. So many times we just take you for granted. I pray you'll forgive us. And help us, Jesus, to realize the cost that our salvation costs you and how we ought to be thankful for the fact, Lord, that if we confess our sins to you, accept you as our personal Savior, we can live for you here and have the peace and strength that only you can give us here. And one day we'll be able to be with you for all eternity in heaven that you've prepared for us. Please help us today, Lord. Help those who don't know you as their personal Savior to find you as their Savior, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, that's my Thanksgiving message. Uh, well, one of them. I'm going to talk again next week on something else on Thanksgiving. But I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you. Get ready to have a heart full of gratitude to God for all he's done for you. If you want to get in touch with me, and remember, my, my email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. That's Reverend William W. Woods at gmail.com. Or my mailing address is box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you.